Welcome back to the Unregulated Podcast. This is episode number 78 here on Wednesday, April 6th, 2022 in the year of our Lord. Not episode 72, nor 76, nor 66. I am your co-host, Tom Pyle, with the American Energy Alliance. And I'm Mike McKenna, you know, pretty much with the Border Patrol at this point. <laughs> All right, any announcements before we begin, before we get into this wonderful episode of fun-filled facts and insights about amazing, incredible things happening in the world? Uh, I got a bunch of input from 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 listeners, but nothing that nothing that I can find that's actually on point or relevant other than, you know. So in other words, they talked about how great my voice is. They again, in fact or... that, in fact that did come up the other day. <laughs> yeah. A friend of mine said, I just discovered your podcast. He's like he's like, Tom's got a great radio voice. He also said he inter you interrupted me too much, but he's a friend of mine. I so. did interrupt you a lot last yeah, week. It's okay. I noticed that when, I, on the retake. I take I take no personal offense at any of it. Occasionally it happens. Sometimes I need to be interrupted, right? Occasionally it happens. Anyway, right, I have so, no so, other announcements. So another voice for radio. It's like, it's, <laughs> I get the feeling people are working me at this point. Yeah, maybe that's what's going on there. <laughs> okay, so this day in history in 19... No, let me go. Let me start chronologically. 1896, this day in history. Phineas T. Barnum opens up the Barnum and Bailey Circus. No, but... That could have been a good guess. Yes. It might be the right timeline for that, isn't it? Probably. I okay, well, this was not that. This was the first modern Olympic Games. Oh, 96. Sure, that should have been the dead tip. The longest tradition of ancient Greece are reborn in Athens 1,500 years after being banned by Roman Emperor Theodosius I. And I do believe that in our lifetime, we will probably experience our last Olympic Games at the rate that it's going. Let's hope so. It's kind of boring. <laughs> I would point out that among the first um, Olympic gold medalists was, of course, a University of Pennsylvania graduate. You're welcome. By the name of? I can't remember. Oh, okay. Well, Trust me, if I could have remembered it. figured it out for if us. If I could have remembered it, I'd have coughed it up right away. Okay, this day in history, 1917. Now, that's easy. United States entry into World War One On June 26th, months later... The first, uh, so Congress declared war mm -hmm. on this day in history. Yep. In the summer, 14,000 infantry troops landed in France to begin training for combat. The Americans were when so. When the war finally ended on November 11th, 1918, more than 2 million American soldiers had served on the battlefields of Western Europe, and 50,000 plus of them had lost their lives. Yep, that's a lot. You know, the Americans were in the war for basically a year, um, and they lost, you know, 50,000 plus. That's the same, essentially the same number of dead as in Vietnam, which we hung around for almost 10 full years in. It was a, it was a pretty bloody little contest. I will point out that the American Army was so poorly supplied that most of the trainees trained with wooden guns. For the war, they weren't given actual guns till they got. The you know, France. I've seen some some clips in uh, in Ukraine of 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 some folks holding holding props. Yeah, I guess practicing yeah. or something. Okay, um, where do we sh where should we start here? I got a lot going on here. Uh, should we knock the Kamala stuff out of the way, or should we save it for the end? There's another one. It's not quite as dramatic, but let's let's do it now because if we save it for the end, we'll just giggle all the way through, and that's not good. <laughs> like that, see? All right, all right, all right. Here we go. This was uh, 
another question in that same famous interview with Joy Reid, where she talked about the heart of the Mississippi Delta. The question, of course, uh, well, I'll play the clip. It speaks for itself. He said that Vladimir Putin um, should no longer be the leader of Russia. Do you agree? Listen, I think that you you frame the point quite accurately and well, which is America's policy has been and will continue to be focused on the real issue at hand, which is one, the needs of the Ukrainian people, which we will continue to support through humanitarian assistance, through security assistance, but also ensuring that there's going to be serious consequence for Vladimir Putin and Russian aggression as it relates to Ukraine, which is why our policy from the beginning has been about ensuring that there are going to be real costs exacted against Russia in the form of severe sanctions, which we know are having a real impact and an immediate impact, not to mention the the longer-term impact, um, which is about saying there's going to be consequence and accountability. <laughs> you can't make this up. Man. Okay, so there's going to be near term, mid term, and long term impact consequences. Just so you know, I I swear to you, there's got to be like like who's that guy who wrote for Seinfeld? Jill Biden, La- Larry David. Is that Larry David. I is he writing this? Is this, is this like some it's, it's, show that we're watching? It's the best. It's the best. You know, she also had her Stacey Ab- Abrams moment this week. I'm sorry. She posed in front of a bunch of school children, and she oh, was wearing was yeah, sans yeah, yeah, mask, yeah, yeah, yeah. and all the little the little children were wearing the mask. Yeah, you know that the, we're we're down we're down to the only people wearing masks are the people with absolutely no rights in society, right? The kids. Yeah, it's totally insane. Yes. And and uh, the mayor of New York was was caught uh, partying with a bunch of folks at a club with no masks. Yeah, Eric Adams, why would he? He doesn't believe any of this stuff. And was laughing about. Having the the pre K kids masked up, yeah, five mandatory, yeah, five year old masking, yeah. So it it is what it is, yeah. It's it's, a, it's the it's the near term consequences of voting for a Democrat. Oh, I shouldn't have said that. That's partisan. Ooh, that's partisan. That is partisan. I Isn't it though? Could, oh, I will point terrible. out there are no Republican. There are no there are no places run by Republicans that are still masking anybody. I just want to say that real quick. Okay. Well. We did compliment. There's one thing Vladimir Putin did did a good service for the world by ending the COVID pandemic. Yeah, as you recall, that combined with the um, State of the Union speech, where the, the Congress dramatically lifted their mask mandate two days before the speech. But lest you think it's over, lest COVID is not over. Uh, and we have an obligation to protect our country, the American people, and make sure we're taking steps to prepare. And, of course, at a hearing on Capitol Hill. Was that Dr. Walensky? As long as the pandemic is raging in any part of the world, the United States is not safe. Yeah. Circle back and our Treasury oh, Secretary. Wow. Um, Janet Yellen. Reminding us that shortly, sometime shortly, maybe after the midterms, COVID will be back and raging well, here in the it, United States of America. Gonna, it's going to be over because in... Uh, Press Secretary Saki is gone here in a month, right? She'll be she'll be gone before the weather gets too much warmer, and Jenny Yellen will be gone by midterms or right, at, right after midterms, right? She she would have figured, hey, I did my two when years. When they clean I'm house, here. yeah. No, she's just 
It's not gonna hang around. What's the point of hanging around for the lame duck session? For the inflation session, right? Um, and one more quick clip on COVID, be- just because I can't help myself. Seriously, um, let it go, man. Just, you need to just let it one go. More, just one more. This is from the archives. Uh, but she's had the flu for 14 days. Should she get a flu shot? Well, no. If she got the flu for 14 days, she's as protected as anybody can be because the best vaccination is to get infected yourself. And so she if, she re- if she really has the flu, if she really has the flu, she definitely doesn't need a flu vaccine. Yes. If she really has the flu. She right. should not get it again. No, she doesn't need it because the, it's, the be- it's the most potent vaccination is getting infected yourself. There you go. Thank you, doctor. The good doctor. Thank you, doctor. Always speaking right. the truth. I promise to all our listeners, that's the last time we're ever going to run <laughs> Are you going to ban me from yes. playing Fauci clips? I am done talking about COVID. All right, that's fine. That's it. It's, 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 I just, I'm just, we done. We have a job here we're on this done. podcast. And we have finished it, and we are now moving on to the next job. Part of our job is to, is to beat, show folks. Is to beat horses what, what? until they're dead and then keep hitting them afterwards. No, it's about narratives. These guys are going to drum that narrative back up when it is useful and or convenient for them. They're just letting us know right now. I'm willing to bet any anybody listening, I'm willing to bet any amount of money that no one's ever going to do anything about COVID again. Ever. At least not this side. <laughs> All right. Uh, should we move on to the president's son, Hunter? If you want. Okay, let's spend a couple of minutes on sure. this. Sure, what do you, have in, what do you have in mind? It's heating up a little bit, as yeah, you can tell. It's, it's... This is a clip from NBC. Lest you think that we're feeding you the right-wing propaganda, this is NBC. A 2013 trip to China getting new attention this morning, not for what Joe Biden did, but for who he brought with him. His son, Hunter, joining the then-vice president on the official visit to Beijing, along with Hunter's daughter, Finnegan. Unknown to the press back then, Hunter Biden was forming a Chinese private equity fund, planning to raise money, including from Chinese investors. Years later, Hunter Biden acknowledged that during the trip, he met with a Chinese banker, which his spokesperson describes as a social visit, not a business one. Ten days after the Biden's trip, Shanghai authorities issued the fund's business license. But it was a social trip, not a business one. Of course. Um, Okay, so I just want to make sure to remind people that the response to the leaking of the laptop and the contents therein was a wide sweeping this is this is a false flag this is a russian deal to try to interfere with the election that was the party line yeah right across the board now as we've mentioned new york times washington post val- validated that the laptop is indeed hunters we know that there's all kinds of stuff on there that we're not uh, not safe for work, but there's also supposedly some encrypted codes on there that tie back to the Department of Defense, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so now the new line is changing. Here, here's the official line now from the Biden, from Team Biden. The Washington Post also reported this week on deals that Hunter Biden had with a Chinese energy company paid $4.8 million to entities controlled by Hunter and the president's brother. Is the president confident his family didn't cross any ethical lines? 
Uh, George, the president is confident that his uh, family did the right thing. But again, I want to just be really clear. These are actions by uh, Hunter and his brother. They're private matters. They don't involve the president. And they certainly are something that no one at the White House is involved in. Clearly not true. Clearly not true, but clearly the new the new line went the line moved from sure. this is total BS to it's legit to, but it's not us. Well, but it, let's be absolutely clear here. This is just Joe's crazy son that's done this stuff. It has nothing to do with the president whatsoever. Yeah. So I've been thinking for the last month or so, since the New York Times confirmed this thing six weeks ago, right? I've been thinking this play was all about getting the president to announce he wasn't gonna run again after the midterms. The tempo is starting to make me wonder about that, right? Now, the NBC, New guy, NBC News guys have probably been sitting on that China thing for a while, um, but it popped. And that's a, you know, it's a pretty big problem. I'm not, I'm not, I'm starting to wonder if this isn't going to be the thing that, um, that drives, um, drives this, this, this fellow from office. It's, it's a problem. And keep in mind, this is, this is just the tip of whatever iceberg we have. Maybe it's everything. Um, but I'm, I'm not, I'm now less certain that it's about preventing him from running us for a second term. I think it may be to show him the exits a little earlier. So, you know, it's going to get, it's, it's going to get really bad because even the white house press corps is starting to dig on this thing. And this will, this will wrap up this segment on, on old Hunter. The president has said that he never spoke to his son about his overseas business dealings. Is that still the case? Yes. That's the that's the uh, that's the doozy right there. I think that's going to get him in a lot of trouble. Sure. They're absolutely denying that he's not talked to Hunter about his overseas nothing. business dealings. Nothing. We so said nothing. we'll see how it goes. And you, you remember this was this was some reports say this was shortly before he left office that he started working on this. That Hunter started working on this stuff. Yeah. So the assumption was was the big guy was going to start going into business with the family yeah right um so anyway right away we'll, we'll move on it's just it's gonna get ugly. right right it's away the fact ugly. the fact that you got a bunch of quasi irishmen talking like sicilians is you know <laughs> yeah that's right like, come on go watch the departed seriously <laughs> stop, watch the fantasy stop right? this watch nonsense all right all right so gaming out a little bit for me like when and and what what happens then we have a president harris well that's the tricky thing right right that, that um that the real problem is, is that you could not then the Democrats could not then name a vice president, right? We would we would be in limbo for a while because she would not be available. If she was the president, she would not be available to break a tie in the Senate to confirm the next person up. So it would have to be somebody broadly acceptable to Republicans. She could resign before, and he could appoint somebody else. It's possible, but if she resigned, you'd still have the same problem. You'd still have the tiebreaker that would that would remain. Oh, because that she would remain, be oh, affected. Tie yeah. right, right. right. So it's it's a problem. My guess is is that most of the folks who've been talking about this, like like truthfully, like during the last administration, most of the folks who talked about the Twenty Fifth Amendment didn't actually take any time to read it and think about what it actually meant. Um, if 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 the Times, the Post, the Generally, legacy media is serious about getting him out of office. They want to think about this for a second because this this has the potential to be very messy. Yeah. Well, the whole thing and, is – And the other thing is you really want Vice President Harris as a president? Probably want to think about that for a second too. So Yeah. We're, we're, we're in some, we're in some unchart, uncharted and some fairly dangerous waters. And like I said, I thought it was all about 
precluding him from a second term? No, I'm much less certain about that well, this I mean, week than I these, was last these week. These things have a tendency to spiral out of control. Take right? a life of their own, you right? Know, Pe- I mean, people make their own decisions. Right. All of a sudden, everybody's hunting down Pulitzer Prizes yeah. and doesn't care about yeah. all of this stuff. Yeah, it doesn't. Yeah. All right. Uh, what do you want to talk about now? I want to do 30 seconds on the hearing that we that, that we just watched today. Oh, you want to do big oil? Well, I don't really want to do it, but I want to, I want to like I said, do about 30 seconds on it because there were two things. There were two threads in the hearing that, that were different. Okay, let's do a setup first, if you don't mind. I, don't, I didn't uh, mean sure. to interrupt you. But yeah. this is, the last week has been the Democrats' um, answer to hiding from their record on uh, the production of of oil and gas, uh, natural gas in, in the United States of America. Um, and they're on a full court press to blame the oil industry for high prices, to blame Vladimir Putin for high prices. And so they've they've consequently hauled up uh, oil executives and others in both the House and Senate this past week to, to bash uh, said companies yeah, uh, and try to obfuscate blame. So uh, I turn it back to you, sir. Oh, yeah. So... The three things, right? Three message points that, you know, uh, I hate to say this because I, I hate to coach the other guy's team, but, um, you know, Democrats got to decide which side they're on here because their, their two message points were, hey, I want you to reduce stock buybacks and cut dividends and invest that money in finding more oil. So I'm like, okay, so we can drill our way to lower prices. Right. And then the other part of the Democratic message is you can't drill your way to lower prices. I'm like, guys, either you don't care about the stock buybacks and the dividends or, you know, and you can't drill your way to lower prices or you care about the buybacks and dividends and you can drill your way to lower prices, but you can't be in favor of reducing buybacks and dividends. And pretend that it doesn't have an effect on prices, right? That that you you investment in EMP doesn't have an effect on prices. The other thing that's like weird about the message, and this is where the Biden administration comes in, is what do you figure they're asking the Saudis and the Venezuelans to do? They're not asking them to like, hey, could you guys make oil magically appear? They're literally asking them to reduce prices by drilling more oil out of the ground. So, well, at, at some point, these guys are going to have to get whatever message they're going to settle on and just get it straight. No, I'm 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 happy that um, they're caught in this political bind. Um, I'm not happy about the impacts for folks, obviously, uh, because this was totally avoidable uh, to some extent. Prices were going to go up when demand went up after we got out of COVID. Right. Yeah. No doubt. Yeah. But as we've said at, at nauseum, when you spend a year uh putting stacks and stacks of regulations in place and reverse gains that were made in reducing that burden, they're not going to invest. They're not going to spend the, the money to, to, to put uh, new poke holes, if you will. Um, and they're going to, and by the way, the, part of that not investing is Buying back stock and increasing dividends. That, that you're going to go into a shell, and you're going to. That's what you, you're going to do. I'm pleased that that some members are getting their footing on this, and they're not just you Keystone know pipe. 
Keystone they're not pipe. just. Keystone I was pipe. just gonna say Keystone they're just pipe. not belching the word Keystone pipe. Keystone pipe, which of course is important. But I remind folks that the Biden, Obama Biden State Department signed off on this pipeline in two thousand and seventeen. No, eight know. seven. Maybe. No, it was early in the wait, administration. Wait. Well, that would have been oh nine. Oh nine. Yeah, early. sorry. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Ten. Oh, okay. Let's call it ten. Okay. okay, ten. They sat on it. Yeah, they stalled, and then after Obama got reelected, then they killed the permit. Now, if they had approved that pipeline, there'd be eight hundred to a million barrels a day flowing from Canada to the Gulf, right? Already, so the the talking point that, well, even if we reversed our position, we it still wouldn't help because it's not built. Now, the Wall Street Journal reported that they're calling uh, Canada and asking them to bring more oil down. The problem, of course, is we're tapped in terms of the infrastructure to bring it to down. To take away, yeah. So well, that—that's the other thing, right? I have no idea who Warren, who 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 gives, you know, who Warren Buffet gives his money to. Um, but the reality of it is, is that you know, Keystone was essentially killed by Warren Buffett and his crew because they're the ones who run the 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 trains, right? This stuff. A bunch of this stuff still shows up. It just shows up slower and less efficiently and less sure. safely on trains. So basically, anytime you hear a, you hear a, um, anybody say, "Hey, you know, Keystone would have made a difference." Yabby yabber yabber. That is a Warren Buffett talking point. So I'm very glad to see that my friends in the Democratic Congress are are want to make sure Warren Buffett keeps making a bunch of money. Right. Want to make sure that the mom and pops who invest, you know, the mom and pops, the widows and orphans who invest in integrated oil companies lose money because you're not going to have buybacks and, and increased dividends. And um, that we're going to keep talking to the Saudis and the Venezuelans about, hey, could you drill your way out of this? Because we don't feel like drilling our way out of it. It's the most remarkable thing I've ever seen. And your point about the delay goes without saying, right? These, these guys have slow walked every blessed thing. Every yeah. blessed thing, including, by the way, the 21 LNG terminal still sitting it for waiting, 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 yeah. waiting. Europe to the right. We're, we're rescuing Europe. All right. OK. So anyway, the Republicans are starting to get some of the Republicans are starting to get their footing on this. One of them is Senator Dan Sullivan from Alaska. He had the following to say. I've been watching this issue from day one because it's crushing my state. So let me uh, let me just go into build on what he just said. President Biden said when he campaigned, we're going to end fossil fuels. It's the one campaign promise he's actually keeping. So on day one, and it is day one, it, they started saying we're going to stop producing on American land, including Anwar, which we got done here. Alaskans support that. Americans support that. We're going to strong arm financial institutions, woke guys like John Kerry, ding, Gina ding, McCarthy, ding. going to Wall Street saying don't invest in American energy. By the way, John Kerry has also gone to Japan. I've heard this from Japanese officials saying, don't buy LNG. I mean, who who the hell's side is this guy on? Not yours, I think Dan. Xi Jinping loves that stuff. Um, killing infrastructure. This is day one. And begging dictators to produce more energy while shutting it down in Alaska. Okay. So Senator Sullivan is finally Spot bringing up the investment side of this, because that is significant and, yeah, and the primary driver of this problem yeah, that man. we're in. Um, and 
Dan Sullivan, Colonel, United States Marine Corps, staffed on energy by Pierce Wiegard, who's now over at Senate Energy and Natural Resources. Top drawer guy, top drawer senator. I'm senator, not surprised. Uh, and, and Congressman uh, Johnson. The, the Johnson from Ohio, right? Yep, yeah, from Johnson, Ohio. Yeah. Uh, had in, this, in the um, hearing today, had a little soliloquy, and he had a message for the oil uh, executives that oh, were on the stage. This should be good. I, I'm a big fan of Bill Johnson. Let, let's hear this thing. For five minutes. Thank you, Madam Chair. First of all, I want to thank our panel, some of the biggest names in oil and gas for joining us today. And, and thank you all for what you do to keep the lights on, to power transportation and industry, to create thousands of consumer products and millions of jobs, and quite literally to fuel modern life as we know it in America. You deserve praise for that. What you produce has lifted billions of people out of poverty around the world. But there's a problem. Many of you have big advertising budgets. Why won't you tell that story? I'm not going to name names, but we've all seen the TV commercials from Big Oil filled with solar panels, green climate messaging about how you're diversifying your portfolio and how you're embracing liberal progressive values. What's been your return on investment with that effort? You've taken a shellacking today from the Democrats. Do they seem impressed by your efforts to show your allegiance to their anti-fossil fuel agenda? Do they give you any credit for your green overtures, your ESG commitments, or your carbon cutting plans? No, they do not. For heaven's sakes, they're blaming you for high gas prices, for inflation, for bad weather, and all the world's problems that their failed policies are actually causing. Your industry has a lot to be proud of, and Americans know it. You just have to help us tell them. But if you continue chasing these radical green progressive values, these moving goalposts over the real value that you bring to our country and the world, then the environmental left and the ESG investors will crush you and the millions of Americans that support, that need your support. So today I want to give you a platform, ladies and gentlemen. Okay, so he went on to ask them all. Yeah, man. If they're proud of their product, sure. that it did this and it did that mm -hmm. and it does this and it does that. Yeah. To their credit, they all said yes. Mm -hmm. Right? Yeah. And he closed with this. And this is this is pretty good. These are a few commercials that you folks could run. You've got a good story to tell. Use these ideas to tell the American people the truth about what you do so that they can quit being misled by the, by the barrage of negative, disingenuous, false advertisement that you see coming from my Democrat colleagues today. I'm going to yield back a whole 18 seconds. Yeah. <laughs> Boom! <laughs> it's, it's possible to disagree it, with any of that, right? Colonel of... It, 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 so he's been, first off, he's been reading our stuff. We, don't, we should be very grateful, right? Yeah, um, we got a couple of emails saying, did you... Yeah. Did you guys feed that over? I'm, I wish I had. Well, I mean, I, but but we the thing is, we've been preaching that gospel for fifteen years. We've been preaching that gospel, so when we get a, when you get somebody like repeating it, just like okay, amen, amen um, to that. I, he's totally right. The other thing, the other thing that it highlights is, you know, there's a there's a 
I hope it doesn't come in oil and gas land, but I worry about it. There's a divorce coming between the Republicans and business, big business. I, like I said, I hope it doesn't come in oil and gas land because it would make it personally painful. Um, but what you're hearing in Congressman Johnson's voice is not just confusion, it's frustration. Of course. Why am I being asked to like defend you guys? And you guys should be defend yourselves. You got great big giant advertising budgets. Why are you pitching communism? So you um made a good point in a recent article which was responded to by someone who runs one of the larger trade associations here in town that <laughs> well I mean, I don't understand. They take our meetings, Republican. Yeah. We don't have any trouble getting meetings on Capitol Hill. The I, I have no. <laughs> when I worked for Tom DeLay, I, I met with the Sierra Club, right? Sure. Uh, sure. The difference is, is that when these trade associations meet with Democrats, when they walk out, yeah. they don't basically, they get nothing, right? In the past, meet, meetings with Republicans might have led to something valuable, right? Yeah. Well, I'm happy that they're going to get meetings, meetings with both parties, but what's happening is is they're going to get the same treatment from yeah. the Republicans after they leave as they've gotten by the Democrats for years and years and years. So if the measure of your value is by the number of meetings that you take, yeah, that, a... that you're allowed, that you're offered or... or uh, are accepted the number of meetings you get if the measure of your value is by the number of meetings you can secure good on you if you're if you got a if if you're a lobbyist you can't get meetings you be you know it's like an oil yeah. change for a mechanic that's, a, right. that's so a minimum I want, I want, the other thing let me just say sure, real quick about sure. that right and that, i'm not interrupting no 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 that's just trying to move it along that story i appreciate that that story <laughs> um what i said was hey you know it, there's there will you know, there will come a day when the there will come a day when the Republicans will not listen to or care about what businesses say about tax and immigration, and 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 the reporter didn't get it quite right. She said, you know, conservative approaches like tax and immigration. I'm like, no, no, no. The point I meant was businesses have non-conservative approaches to tax and immigration. Now they're not getting listened to there, right? Also got also sent the sent a note back to the reporter saying just what you said. There's a big difference between getting meetings and being listened to. And I said, next time, call up that other guy and ask him when was the last time he was actually listened to by any Republicans. Yeah. Okay, so and going back to your to your initial point about these the mixed messaging coming from the Democrats. <laughs> drill, I am drill, certainly whatever. pleased, more than pleased. You know, we've done this at American Energy Alliance, we did a series of which is it, right? Where we've yeah. Don the Biden said this, and then he said that, and we did did a couple for the Hill too. One of the chief sort of uh, antagonists for the industry, the the subcommittee chairman on oversight in the House, Ro Khanna from California, yeah, man. is kind of caught in it. Now I give him credit for going into sure. conservative media, yeah. but he's not as confident with his responses <laughs> as he's been in the past. Congress, it's great to see you. I know you're saying that, uh, you know, the oil companies could be doing more to help the situation we're having with gasoline uh, by taxing their profits on this. Why do that? Why not just allow more exploration? 
Well, first of all, I think we need an increase in short-term production. The president has released 180 million barrels, and I've said, let's have a floor price to buy that back, which would increase production. But also, these oil companies have $44 billion in stock buybacks, and I'm saying if they continue to charge uh, American uh, gas uh, $6, $7 at the pump, then they should be taxed on those extraordinary well, why limit profits. it to just them, Congressman? What if food prices go up? Do you go after Cargill? Do you go after Philip Morris and all of this? Because they're making money in a higher environment, not as much money as you would think, given that run-up. But if you're going to go after a company and its profits when, when prices are high, why don't you extend that to everybody? If laptop prices rise, go, go after Apple or Dell. Why limit it to just the oil gas? Well, everyone needs gas, and this is hurting well, the working class the most. everyone needs food as well. Everyone needs food as well. Uh, so why not go into Absolutely. That? Uh, if uh, they were price gouging at the same level and having $40 billion uh, in Are you price, saying uh, you have proof that bags. they're price gouging, Congressman? Well, I'm, I, well, I have proof that they are putting a lot of their money uh, into stock buybacks, and I have proof that they are <laughs> is that uh, evil? making is that evil to do? Because there are a lot of people in your district who invest in oil companies and enjoy those dividends and get something out of that. It's not just for See, the oil. This is, this is where... If, I agree uh, with that. And they, they would have to be paying this tax as well, obviously, if they were investors in my district. I guess here, Neil, is what I find unfair. Why is it that Americans out of patriotism are being asked, okay, you pay six bucks for gas, Okay, it goes on and on. It's really sure good. It and and I, I'm going to put it in the show notes because you got to rewatch the whole thing. Kudos to Neil Cavuto for doing his homework. Yeah, right? he, he, it was good, but he should have what he should have done on the second go around on buybacks is say, look, they have this money. Here are their three options stock buybacks, dividends, invest in exploration and production. Which of them do you want to do? You know, what do you yeah. want them to I do mean, with that extra money? You know, he could have gone right for it, and Cannon would have been at his after he's like, well, not buybacks and obviously not dividends. Leaving Roe only with one place to go. Well, I guess I'm in favor of more drilling, and that's the Democrats' problem, right? Right. right. Of course, they, they just get to the end of it. Quick. And, and and they the, the whole exchange is really good. So, sure. So uh, if you're listening, go find this clip and and listen to the whole thing. Now, I've noticed that a lot of the Californians are very upset about the high prices of gas. Yeah. And they're using numbers like six bucks right yeah, when the average is what four is it four and change now yeah, 420 four, four, something 30, like 420 430 yeah like so of course they're not telling folks that yeah, the california has the highest gas prices in in the lower 48 by far why because they've had these policies these anti fossil for lack of a better term these anti oil policies in sure. the state for years and years and years, for thirty right? years so, now, yeah. So Pete Wilson the, the walked extra out the two door. bucks the Californians are paying is a result of the Democrats' fantasies about energy policy. Yeah, man. So that's one thing. It was the last now, time anybody expanded a refinery in California. One more clip from this is from CNBC Squawk Box, um, and this is C- uh, Congresswoman Shakowsky being interviewed. I know I mean, the, the, as, as recently as October, one, one of your counterparts, we, we love Roe, he comes on the show a lot. He, he was grilling the, the Chevron Exxon, another friend of the show, Tim Worth. Are you embarrassed as an American company that your production is going up while European counterparts are going down? Um, and Worth replied, with all due respect, I'm very proud of the company. 
And then uh, Mr. Khanna pressed on, will you commit right now to matching your European counterparts in reducing the production of oil? So it wasn't until, it, it hasn't even been a year from where we're, many members of Congress, 26 members of the House, I don't know if you're one of them, uh, voted uh, to, to try to uh, a bill to ban fracking as well as oil and natural gas exports. Were you one of the 26 House Democrats that voted to, uh, to ban fracking as well as uh, oil and, and gas production? Look, the question is, is the, are the, what are the no, oil no. companies Whoa. doing? Uh, yes, I, 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 am, I am against fracking. I think it's a real problem. Did, you, this, did you vote the, yes on that? The question is that the oil companies made a decision, rather, in this crisis right now, to raise the cost, to gouge the consumers um, in, in some ways to, uh, you know, j just to, to do what we say in the, uh, the, the name of the, of, of the hearing this today is, so bad. is gouged at the gas pump. <laughs> Okay. The, so name so the, the name of the hearing. The name of the she hearing. She had to read it. She had to read it. Okay. And by the way, neither of us were the one laughing in the background. It was a, it was a squawk box. That guy. was of Joe course. from Squawk Box who was, was laughing. Of course it was. It's utter. Like when they. I mean, this is great because the, at the question least, is, dude. The question in front of you is, did you vote for that right. legislation or not? Right. That's right. the actual right. question right. in front of you. Right. It it it. Like I said, it's a, it's a tough it's a tough day if you're if you're a, if you're a D because you're against drilling and for drilling and for drilling in Saudi Arabia all at the same time. I'm I don't, not sure how you square all that. Yeah, absolutely. Now, uh, some people are still um, preaching the uh, gospel. The head of the IEA. Yeah. Our good friend, Fatah Baral. Fatih, Fatah. Fatih, Fatah, tomato, really? tomato. He was visited by Secretary Jenny recently, who, by the way, dumped a whole bunch of money over to IEA. Shocker. Which last week the Saudis announced that they were not having anything to do with the IEA anymore because they've become basically a propaganda machine. True. So true, just which follow is along, which folks, is which is kind of sad because Saudi it, Arabia is dumping IEA. The United States, your government, is dumping our money into IEA and doubling down on the stupid. It's kind of sad because the International Energy Agency used to be actually a pretty a pretty solid operation. But this guy, Birol, 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 whatever his name is, has turned it into a just a ridiculous oh, show. He's got, he just got renominated. Of course to he run did. Why wouldn't he? And, here, and here's what he has to say about the current state of affairs. Yeah, here we go. But my bet is... Thinking of this, listening to these uh, uh, reactions from the governments, from the industry, investors, this response to this global energy crisis will be acceleration of clean energy transitions. I believe this because I see it is coming. The, it will be efficiency, it will be renewables, it will be hydrogen, it will be electric cars. It is going to accelerate the uh, clean energy transition. And the main driver may not be only the climate change, but main driver may well be the energy security. So energy security will not be oh, a, uh -huh. a, a break, but an accelerator to clean energy transitions as a response to the what we are uh, uh, experiencing. Some, some, the some bad the difference between policy and religion yeah. is that in policy, when the circumstances change, Sure. You can change the policies. Yeah. Yeah. Do I need to finish? No. 
No, it's a good insight, right? I like to think about it this way. Um, everything that's not religion is resolvable by resorting to numbers. The numbers here are telling us a really clear story. You have to be, you have to have a religious belief in this stuff to not listen to what the numbers are telling you. Okay, so a little bit of time left. I got a couple quick hits for you. First, Elon Musk takes a 9% stake in Twitter, the largest shareholder of Twitter now, and was asked yesterday uh, and accepted a board position. Do you care? What, what are your thoughts about this? I was kind of amused about the press con the press release on him, you know, getting on the board. The president of Twitter made it sound like it was his idea. Right, right, I'm like, right. Yeah, I, was thinking, like, I was laughing at that, too. I'm like, oh, yeah, right. He owns you. Right, I was going to say, the guy's your largest shareholder, yeah. you dummy. And by the way, 9% is a Whopping! It's what's whopping? Larger than nine percent. That's not that much. It's larger than anybody else. It's the largest. Dwarfs Jacks. Dwarfs Jacks two percent. But it was the fact that that guy, whatever his name is, Vivek, Vivek, Prethera, or whatever. Anyway, the fact that that guy put out a press release that said that tells me he thinks that we're morons. Yeah. Which I was just like, why do you put out a press release that says? He must have just put out a press release to say, "Hey, I think you're morons." So we put late Elon Musk on the board. So I'm let like, me just uh, warn my conservative and libertarian friends: don't put all your faith in Elon Musk. All right, uh, this is, Elon <laughs> Musk like is the savior of freedom. He's done more to uh, to advance the cause of freedom, you know, than George Washington. Look, yeah, Elon I, Musk is. Ask yourself a simple you, question: You brought P.T. Barnum up, yeah, man, at the beginning of this episode. He is a master. He He's a master. He bought. He was buying up shares of Twitter before he did his little survey. Of course. Right? Of course. He knew what the answer to the survey would be. Just like he was selling his shares of Tesla before he had his little survey saying, should he sell his shares of you know, Tesla? He, he, Let, let's, let's not kid ourselves. He, what he, what he, is, he is a genius at one thing. He games systems Absolutely. well. Absolutely. The rest of it I'm not sure about. Absolutely. Right? But I'm, I'm sure I'm used by him. Don't get me wrong. But I am not putting my faith in hey, Elon Musk. I'll make it simple. Okay. I'll make it and simple. And anybody worth a billion dollars or more should not be trusted. I'm a big fan of Victor Hugo's observation on this, right? Behind every great fortune, there's a great crime. And that's just the way the world is. All yeah. right. So uh, one thing that is a, the, the chatter is, is he's going to bring President Trump back onto Twitter. I hope not. I do too. Although a little, a little strategically, that's probably solve, not the, the it'll, it'll solve the Democrats' problem. No, it won't. for sure. Well, I mean, it'll solve it'll the, help them. Anyway. It'll solve the Republican problem too, right? He's not going to run for president if he's on Twitter. He's not going to be able to. So, yeah. solves that problem. Yeah. Anyhow, okay. Uh, do you have anything else to wrap up? Because we got things. we got a couple of things, and then I want to uh, close out with our with another passionate passionate speech from our president oh, brother i got three things real quick and i'll run through them real quick first off congressman fred upton announced his retirement from michigan rather than running a primary against i'm not sure who one of those people in michigan um we're gonna miss him well maybe um i got one quick one another quick member of congress on fred upton no on bob gibbs no i got one on steve scalise let's have it First of all, he did a great job in the hearing today. Okay. I'm not surprised. He's Use got, of props, command he, of, of issues. He's got, he's got two of the best staffers yeah. on the issue out there, Jeff uh, Weind and Francis Brooke, right? But here we have um, 
uh, on the other side of this conversation. First quarter, I'm sorry, first quarter haul 10.9 million, bringing his total to 39 million raised this cycle. Transferred 5.5 to the NRCC um, and is one of the better House, I'm sorry, one of the better Republicans uh, raising online 4.6 million. I'm sorry, this is Mr. Scalise? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So there's a race here, ladies and gentlemen. There's a race here coming come this come next early next yeah, year. Yeah, the caucus would have to be out of their mind to pick the guy with the hair. But weirder things have happened, right? That's thing one. Thing two, um, we are now in I think the sixth week of the Ukraine conflict, war, invasion, whatever you want to call it, sixth or seventh. Europeans are still purchasing Russian natural gas at a clip of about a billion euros a day. Billion years a day, they're basically funding both sides of this war. So whenever somebody tells you how terrible it is and how much we need to do this, that, and the other thing, just remember the the members of the EU are themselves incapable of solving this problem or unwilling is the better answer. May I add a stat to that? Sure. <clears throat> love, love numbers. The Europe surge in prices means the region is now spending not quite 10% of its GDP on the on the on, on energy. energy, yeah, yeah, I the saw highest that. share since nineteen eighty. Nineteen eighty one, yeah, I ran across that. Yeah, um, the other thing. So, and for the United States part, the United States has not yet issued secondary sanctions on those are sanctions on businesses that that do business in or with Russian or Russian entities. So when the president says he's using all of the tools in his toolbox, I can think of at least one that remains unused. That's a thing too. Thing three is reconciliation package is probably dead. You know, there's there's no there's no Kirsten Cinema. I'm sorry, I had to laugh because I know. it's like I know. Oh, oh, will this revive talks? And I Manchin know. said it the know. other day. Manchin said, "I don't know what you're don't talking what about." You're talking I haven't about. had a conversation about reconciliation yeah. in in yeah. months. The reality, the, the hard reality of it is, reconciliation right has to pay for itself. So, um, inside. The reconciliation, they would need tax increases to do anything that they're talking about, especially on energy. They're talking about three to five hundred billion dollars of new and different energy tax credits. There's no way you're going to have a five hundred dollar, five hundred billion dollar tax increase um, this close to an election. So, so triple B's dead. Reconciliation's dead. Um, don't let your lobbyists tell you anything otherwise. Those are my three things. What else, what, do, what do we have left before we close the door? Uh. It's got one from our president. Here we go. Oh. When I was a young senator, I was a, there was a guy who uh, ran steel from Deaver Steel out to Ohio. And uh, so I decided to ride out with him to see what it was like in the strike. And I was driving, going through Shiloh, Ohio. And uh, and we, he, he was his handle was Big Ten. And remember, everybody, all the truck stops were being blockaded at the time during the strike. And he uh, he called. He said, "Big Ten wanting to come in." I forget exactly how he said it. And the and the only woman truck driver I ever knew I met that day. She said, "This is Big Mama. No room." <laughs> Swear to God, true story. <laughs> Swear to God. He said, he said, "He's a riveting storyteller." <laughs> <laughs> All right, I, I got one more. Uh, we'll take a poll and see which one you like better. The American Rescue Plan. Subsidies, uh, sub subsidizes that are lowering premiums, subsidies lowering premiums and extending coverage. And uh, 
I got a little practice when you gave me that other act for you know, when we were president. You were president. I was with you. What? <laughs> <laughs> I understood no part uh, of that. <laughs> okay, this has been a long, exhausting day. I've listened to four hours of drivel on yeah, Capitol Hill you do about such big a oil and yourself. I, I and, and I just can't figure out what he's saying anymore. So. Me neither. Me neither. I feel bad for the guy. We're out of here, ladies and gentlemen. That's a wrap. <laughs> Namaste. And we didn't get to the energy poll. It's we'll get to it next week. We said that last week. Yeah, I know. We'll get to it next <laughs> week. There's too much else going on, man. There's just too much. Else I know. Going on. See ya. Adios. <laughs>